Welcome to another Wellness Renegade podcast. We'll explore the crossroads of wellness entrepreneurs like you and me who are committed to making money while living healthier lives. People are going up against big pharma insurance conglomerates in the mainstream medical world. We'll be journeying into the challenges and the breakthroughs it takes to own your own business, pave the path through mainstream medical care, and truly become a wellness renegade. I'm Jason Stein, and I want to thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to like, comment, and subscribe. For more information about other interviews and services, check out wellnessrenegades.com. And our sponsor today is JNAP. You know, if you're looking for a one-stop practice management software designed to help you streamline your practice, I don't just use JNAP. I like to have others use it too. It's true. If you're interested in learning more, you can go to jnapp.com or use the code wellnessrenegade at the sign up to receive a one month grace period. All right, let's jump into it. I'm here with Pranav Ladd. I just am amazed when I read your bio. Here's someone who's gone through the entire medical training and becomes an Ayurvedic practitioner and someone who does integrative care. And so, welcome, Pranav. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure being here. Uh, It's great to have you. You know, I'm from New Mexico, and Dr. Ladd was a doctor that had an Ayurvedic clinic. Any relation? Um, Yes, that's my father, actually. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And walk me through it. Like, yeah. Medical school is no joke. You do, you know, pre-med, you do the MCAT, you do medical training, and then you're like, screw this. What what, what happened? Yes, <laughs> and, yes. And, and how'd it go? Like, I really want to know the backstory. Sure, sure thing. Yeah, so the reason I decided to go to like a regular medical school, because back in India, my father went through a special program that taught modern medicine along with Ayurveda. And it was a nine-year-long course. So, and, and uh, you know, what? growing up, watching him work and watching him go into both sciences and being well-versed. And so he could communicate with, you know, what he wanted to do with people who practice contemporary modern medicine. And so I, I, I you know, raised in New Mexico, born in India, and so I was thinking, okay, I could do the same thing. But here it's, there is like a huge, you know, there is no middle ground. It's like when you're, when you go to medical school, it's, it's all modern medicine and protocols. And, and I kind of felt that what I could use was very limited. You know, if you have inflammation, well, we have mostly steroids or NSAIDs. And that's about it. And so then growing up, we, we, you know, we practiced mostly kitchen medicine, herbs and things like that. Turmeric used that to bring down inflammation and everything. So when I went through the regular medical school and then uh, we were doing rotations in Chicago hospitals and I, I thought, well, it's a lot of years of training just to follow a protocol. And coming from a background that says, well, we are individual and 
you know, you and so the treatment you come up with has to be individually tailored. So then I decided, well, since I'm almost done with the medical school, let's just finish it and go into teaching instead. So, so after I graduated, I was fortunate enough to work for this company in Florida that we would help medical students pass board exams. Ah. And yeah, yeah. So uh, we had international students who wanted to come to this country and practice medicine here. And we would help them, you know, we would train them for several weeks, several months. And I did that for three years, but my heart was still set in practicing medicine. And I wasn't sure how it was. I want to interrupt you for a second because I'm fascinated. This is like, when I hear your story, it reminds me of the author, Michael Crichton. And most people don't know that Michael Crichton went through med school like you. And when he finished... He started writing books. It's like a complete left-hand turn. And for those of you that are old enough listeners on the podcast, Bugs Bunny took a left-hand turn in Albuquerque, and that's literally where you took your left-hand turn in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Exactly. I love it. (laughs) So what percentage of those protocols that you learned led to surgery or medication okay so what percentage of those protocols so you mean like if a client were to walk in and then see yeah so it it was kind of a i would say it was 50 percent roughly and what would the other 50 percent get the other 50 percent would be uh, you know lifestyle changes i could see it I, i could just see it like they needed lifestyle changes dietary changes no, that's what you yeah. saw. But my question is when you were in the mainstream medical model, did they, did you have a class on lifestyle changes? No, you no, did not. Didn't. Okay. Did not. And no. were your mentors, like if you're doing residency or you're doing your, your rotations, uh-huh. did your, did your doctors ever share? Maybe you should talk to them about lifestyle intervention. Uh, well, so they would, I had this one doctor from India that was in Chicago. So it's, okay. it wasn't a fair way of, and, and so he did kind of because he knew who I was. So he kind of, he would say, you know, feel free to talk to them about lifestyle changes. And that was the only one who did it. So most and of And how it, many did you have? How many did you have? Oh, in a day, we, we kind of saw 40, 50 patients there. And out of those, maybe one or two might even listen to what was going on, what, what I was saying, because it was so new for them. It was uh, right. both. Yeah. The okay. And, and so the I want to back us up a- again. So I appreciate the listeners um, that you're walking through this with us. How many teachers, mentors would you say that you had for your entire matriculation of med school? Oh, at least uh, 35 to 40. So 40 expert doctors and one of them talked to you about lifestyle changes for healthcare. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that I'm going to back us up again. We go back to medical school training. How many hours out of the hundreds and hundreds of hours of medical training you've had? taught about nutrition 
Oh, gosh. Maybe five minutes in one class somewhere. You didn't even have a whole class on nutrition. We did not. Five minutes in one class? Exactly. Listeners, wake up. Like, this is what we're talking about today, Wellness Renegades. Medical training today offered this gentleman, Pranav, about five minutes of nutrition and only one mentor in his entire education in his medical training to actually become a resident and have his own practice or work within a managed system that talked about lifestyle counseling. I see why you left. Exactly. So after how many years were you training? Okay. So, so first I went to school back in India uh-huh. and that was three years of training. And then I came back to the States. And so that was an, another two years and then another two years in the hospital. So six years. Six of years. Training. Training. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And this is all to say, and I want to have clarity here. You're not against surgery, pharmaceutical medicine, or the mainstream medical model. That's that's right. I'm kind of like, you know, sometimes you need to suppress something. Fine. Use, Use a pharmaceutical to suppress it and then work on your lifestyle changes. But yeah, yes. And sometimes you need a surgery because... That's what the patient needs. <laughs> okay. And so you leave medical school and you train people to pass boards. So you're clearly smart enough to be a, a physician. And here's an interesting question that I've never understood. If you go to medical training and you get the degree, are you then able to use the MD? Yes. So there is two parts to this. So if you're going to be board certified, then you need to do residency and you could prescribe medications. But if you want to go into research, into teaching and and things like that, then you don't need to do residency. So that's the reason as soon as I I graduated, I wanted to use my degree to help someone without having to do three years of residency and then then be board certified. So that's where I switch my tracks. Okay. And, and so what is it that you do now? I'm very curious. Ah, okay. So now I am a licensed naturopath, naturopathic doctor in the state of New Mexico. And I'm also licensed in the state of California. And, and then what I do is I use what I learned from my father, Ayurveda, and I combine it beautifully with naturopathic principles. And so I believe my wife's a naturopath, so I understand this world, that the state of New Mexico has just changed the scope of practice for naturopathy. Is that correct? That is correct. Two, roughly two years ago, we were licensed to practice and they basically see us as a general practitioner's. So you're a, a GP in medicine in the state of New Mexico. Are you allowed to have a DEA license? Yes. Yes, we are. Okay. And so for the listeners, that is meaning that Pranav can go through special training and prescribe testosterone, narcotics, the whole exactly. shebang. Yeah. Exactly. Now, 
I just listened to a podcast. There's a guy in Austin that has a compounding pharmacy. He owns a company called Ways to Well. And he was uncovering the gross negligence of the insurance companies and benefit managers. And so it's a real, like when you blow the top off, it, it's there's a lot of money and there's a lot of greed in medicine. And so my question to you that I've been pondering for myself, it seems like healthcare, we're getting less, but in the United States, we're paying more. And every year that I track the data, the life expectancy is shortening. <laughs> so we pay more, we, li we live a shorter lifespan, and it goes up every year. Like premiums for healthcare go up every year. Why? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I don't know the exact why, but I think, like you said, you know, there's, there is greed involved in it. There is uh, politics involved in it. There is uh, a lot involved in it. So that's a great question. And I'm not sure, you know, depending on who, whom you talk with, they will have their, their, their background. They will have, you know, a great way of explaining it. And I'm sure they're all correct to some extent. But, but I, what I think is that, you know, it takes a lot of money to do research into pharmaceuticals and, and, and it's very costly and the whole thing. So it's, it, that may have something to do with it also. And mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, that's a great question. And, and I'm sure there are many correct answers for this. Now, as someone that grew up in an Ayurvedic system, like that was probably your primary health care in your family when you were growing up? Exactly, exactly. Every year, you know, when we get a cold and things like that, dad would have his formulations ready for us, you know, and and we knew the diet and the lifestyle to follow, you know, don't have dairy products during winter time, don't have this and that, nothing raw, nothing this. So we were like trained into how to take care of ourselves. And I rarely, I mean, had to go see a, someone other than my father. Right. Yeah. yeah. And did, well, how old were you when you were raised in the States? What age? Yeah. So we came here when I was seven years old. Yeah. And, and pretty much stayed in New Mexico for most of my life. And so seven years old, my guess is because I'm from New Mexico, I was raised there. And so you're a real minority in New Mexico. Did other kids think you were like the weirdo? Oh, yes. It was uh, in the beginning. That's right. And so, you know, coming from India during those days, there's all these festivals. There's a festival every month. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> so, so you're so, in the culture and the culture includes the medicine. Did any of those kids that tease you later become patient? Oh, <laughs> I'm waiting for that to happen. But, <laughs> but I, yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> so. So how do you go about, because Chinese medicine is a little bit different in the sense that acupuncture somehow has become part of mainstream, whether it's battlefield acupuncture that they're using, uh, like with the troops, or it's pain management and the opioid crisis. This is really kind of, 
it's not the same uphill battle it used to be, right? That's and right. so as a natural path, majority of people don't even know what that means. And as a natural path that specializes in Ayurvedic medicine, like that's a, that's a big conversation. So what's the short version that you explain to people? Ah, excellent. So it's funny because just last month or a few months ago, I was at this medical conference here in town and uh, just telling people about naturopathic medicine. And then I had to change my wording so many times. They taught me a lot. And so basically I tell them that using your body's intelligence to heal itself. And when Mm. the body needs a little bit of help, you can supply with nutrition, you can supply with diet and things like that. And when they, the next question they usually ask me is, how do you do it? And I tell them it comes down, the, the whole thing comes down to digestion. Mm. What can you digest? And whatever you cannot digest, your body will produce into toxins. And so this concept of digestive fire, which is known as Jataragni, in Sanskrit. So I, I kind of tell them about digestion. And uh, when they say to me, what do you mean by that? And so I kind of say to them, imagine if you have someone who's never run a marathon. And so they cannot digest running for even two miles. It's going to take its toll on them. But if you have someone who who's used to running marathons, they can digest that kind of exercise. They're used to it. So there, or in some people, it's emotions. Some people could go through traumatic life events and they can handle it because they have the mental capacity to to digest those emotions, process them. Whereas Mm -hmm. some people in a small trauma, it's difficult for them to deal with. So I kind of tell them what you can't digest. That's what I will help you with. Well, you can't digest. Okay. That's right. And and so... There's a lot of ways to get to digestion. There's herbs, there's diet, there's movement, there's detoxes. And, and do we come back to protocols? Do you gravitate towards one of those areas or is everyone come in and they, they get an individual treatment plan? Pretty much, pretty much individualized, but I've noticed the pattern. In after like seeing like three or four hundred patients, you kind of see this this thing happening. So I, I could tell based on change in season where most people are going to have kind of difficulties. Like you know, digestion will be affected in summertime, heartburn usually. Digestion is affected in winter times, constipations and things like that. So oh, so you kind of eating cold and. It, it's so fascinating to me because I'm sure that I don't know if it'd be the majority, but many, many people would be, you're, you're full of crap. Like, what do you mean that like how I eat in the season would change? But when we look at the Native American culture or any of the table wisdom from grandmothers, great grandmothers, like there's a lot of wisdom there. And, and so talk to us about a success story. Like, do you have a patient that, that you can share about without revealing any identifiers? Sure, sure. Two years ago, I had this patient from Mexico City, and I was talking with him through Zoom, and he's seen many doctors. He had two things going on. 
sometimes he would get palpitations and they would get so bad that he was afraid to take a shower. The heat, the temperature will cause him to go into that. And second thing he had was anxiety with tight muscles. Mm. Yeah, and he's, he's seen cardiologists, he's seen many, many people. And usually it's this, you know, they come to me or people like us as the last resort usually. And so, and he's even tried tinctures, formulations of herbs. And he says, you know, if I take even a tiny teaspoon of some formula of herb to help calm me down, it makes it worse. And so I couldn't use the things that I normally use. And so the first thing I went was, okay, let's see, let's just focus on digestive fire. The fire is so dim or so low that even medications that help are not helping. So what we did was I said, okay, let's just start with something very simple, magnesium. And magnesium, you know, it could help with the heart, muscle relaxants, and it brings down anxiety. But I knew I couldn't use it in the same dose that I usually tell people to take it, 400 milligrams a day. So what I did was I said, okay, let's just do this. Let's only take 100 milligrams of magnesium and have it every other day. And then gradually increase that to every day. After that, twice a day, three times a day, within four months, palpitations went away, anxiety went away. And he was just amazed. And, and so, so just something simple that we use naturopathically, which I couldn't give him in full dose because he said it doesn't agree with me. And we, and so it was, it was beautiful. And, and it's not me. It's the principles that I learned from right. my dad and everyone else. But yeah, amazing. Well, it's so interesting because that same principle is in Western medicine that if you're on an anti-anxiety medication and you're titrating, you can't just give a full dose. You have to titrate up. And then when you wean off, you have to, t- like, if you come off, it's going to be bad, bad. And so you're using an example that's worked for probably thousand years plus. It works now in modern medicine. And so how interesting that you we're able to take enough time with the patient to really listen to what they need. Now, I think the average with your primary care is down below seven or five minutes per patient, right? And so what do, you, what do you spend with a patient? How long do you take? Great. So I, I kind of uh, see oh, how, how much work they're willing to do. So I kind of ask them, how much do you think that you could change for, for this? And if they're one of those that, okay, I, I'm in 100%, then, you know, diet, lifestyle, everything I could change, then I give them one hour. Mm-hmm. And, and then there are some, I could make a few changes, you know, maybe some dietary things I could do and some nutrition I could do. Then for them, it's usually half an hour. I try not to go less than 20 minutes because that's like my bare minimum of Right. communicate that's, that's like yeah. duct taping them back together like, exactly exactly we'll, we'll give you everything you need but you're not going to heal but you're not going to fall apart either exactly <laughs> and so how do you walk me through the assessment like do you just talk to them briefly on the phone and then you know which kind of slot they need pretty much it that's pretty much it and sometimes they could you know i could tell from what background they're they come from. If they say to me, they just need a primary care and just need to be taken care of, 
I know this is going to be something that's 20 minutes. And, but in that time, I will take the time to let them know, you know, there, the reason you are having these things, it's because it goes further back. And if you want yeah. to, yes, if you want to decrease your dose, come and talk to me. We could spend one hour and we could get you, you know, maybe decrease the medications or maybe you don't have to take the medications. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Or, and then some say, well, I don't have time for this. I'm working. So I, I'm okay for now. And then I'll wait a year. And yeah. See what they. <laughs> I like it. So you're patient, but you're consistent. And so consistent. when a new patient comes to you, Pranav, how many, just on average, medications are they on? Oh, wow. I, I mean, usually most of them between five to eight. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the Western medical world will say nobody knows interactions after three. And you're saying to me, the patients that are coming to you are on five to eight. And I've seen this happen with my own patients and I've talked to people in the world and the older people get the more medications they get on and then often they get on medications to eliminate the side effects of the original medications they're on which to me seems insane and so how have we lost our minds like how has it gotten this far yeah yeah i'm thinking because we tend to put a disease in a box and label it okay and and so for example, this one client has hypertension, diabetes, kidney problems, and all of that. And so, they, so from modern perspective, it's like, okay, hypertension is one box. I'm going to give him something for the hypertension. And then two, right. and then the one medication doesn't work. So they need two of them. So he's right. on already on two hypertension. And then he has diabetes. So he's on two more things for diabetes. And yeah. then there's something for the kidney, for the swelling. <laughs> well, and what I'm seeing more and more is people are being outsourced to specialists. And so the diabetes specialist isn't talking to the heart cardiologist who isn't talking to the nephrologist kidney specialist. And they're all putting these people on medication without looking at the entire list. And so the next thing you know, people are waiting in line for an hour in their supermarket to get a bag full of pills that may be killing them exactly agree yeah yeah okay and and so you're perfect for this show because we're going up against the mainstream medical model how often are your patients shocked do you take insurance no no we don't take insurance and how uh, often yeah. are, are, are your patients shocked that you don't take insurance oh all the time all the time yeah. because yeah they're like why why can't they and how do you enroll them? Because we have a, a cash-only practice as well. We don't take insurance at Willow Avenue Wellness. How do you enroll them that it's worth the investment? Yes. Some of them are, they already come prepared and I'm happy for that. And yeah. then the ones I have to convince, it's like the ones who are like, well, how are you going to help me with this? Or And, and then the there are few that do not have medical or they cannot afford medical insurance. So right. those are the two poles I have. And then the ones in the middle are the most difficult. And yep. so I, yes. And then I, I just go on individual basis. You know, I tell them, well, first time you will be charged a little more because it takes one hour to see what's going on. But right. after that, we could, you know, have a sliding scale. And 
So yeah. So I appreciate that you have a sliding scale. We have a donation clinic two hours a week here. We're in a very small town and, and I find that beneficial because everything else is cash. And I find that we're not once a week forever. We're like, we need to get this under control and we're trying to keep our prices down. We're not trying to price gouge, but we're trying to create a living doing this while helping other people get healthier. Like part of our mission is the healthier, happier Willowa County. And that's helpful for us to remain in that space of like, what can we offer and who can we offer it to? And how can we help the whole community knowing that not the whole community can afford our prices? Beautiful. That's great. That's a great thing that you're doing. And, and so my hope is that natural paths like you continue to break the model where it's not just high dollar VIP patients. Like in, in Albuquerque, I would say like in the La Cueva district or like you're not only working with people that are six figure, seven figure earners, but you're able to help the community. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then sometimes and, I even do it free of charge. That's great. And so... So are you getting referrals from Western doctors? Oh, no. No, I'm not. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> okay. And how long have you been open? Like, you're practicing now. The naturopathic scope has changed in New Mexico. Um, how long has you, have your doors been open? So I just uh, recently, maybe about four months ago, Mm. Uh, since I got in practice. So, and before that, I didn't have a physical space. So I was working through Zoom. Telehealth. And, and yeah, telehealth. Great. Exactly. Great. And, you know, with digestion, there's so many people you can help. Are you going the GP route or are you specializing in an area? No, just, just no specialization right now because for me, you know, most of their conditions come down to Vata Pitar Kappa. So I kind of go, I, I kind of take. Now you said some words, but the listeners might need you to explain that. So go back over that. Sure. So basically in this science of self healing, which comes from India known as Ayurveda, they have something, three doshas. And these doshas are made up of five things, ether, Air, fire, water, and earth. So it's very similar to what they might have seen as part of Chinese medicine. Yeah. And so when they come together, they form these uh, doshas. Vata is going to be space and air. So it's going to take on the qualities of air and space, which is cold, rough, dry, mobile. And you could imagine with cold, rough, mobile, it's going to cause popping of joints, tightness, pain. We say there is no pain without vata dosha. So that's part of vata. When you say pitta dosha, pitta is going to be fire and water. So think about like inflammation spreading throughout the body, just like water spreads. And so hives, yeah, hives, people get heartburn, things like that, inflammation. That's for loose stools. That is all water and fire together. And the last one is kapha. Kapha is going to be water and earth. So in we use water and earth to build things in real life, so does your body. So, you know, people, if there's a gain in weight, if there's a mass, if there's congestion, things that are building up, that is kapha. And we are all born with the vata, pitta, kapha. So 
what we have to give it some number. One is low, two is intermediate, and three is high. So when, yeah, so, and then based on these things, you could be born, what's normal for you may not be normal for someone else. But someone like me, I could be born with Bata 2, Pitta 3, Kapha 2. And so my body is always trying to get back to that balance of 2, 3, 2. And so that's what I mean by the Vata Pitta Kapha. And, you know, this is just a basic talk about without yeah, yeah, getting yeah. into the details. And, and so I'm curious, like the listeners on this podcast are mostly in the U.S., but they're scattered around the world. And so for someone that would be interested in learning just a little bit of the basics of Ayurvedic medicine, what's a book recommendation for them? Oh, yes. I'm going to recommend my father's book because I think it's really simple and it's to the point. So it's Ayurveda Science of Self-Healing. I think that book came out in 79, 78, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's been around Are for a while. It, of self-healing. And can you exactly. find it on Amazon or? You can. You could find it on Amazon for sure. Okay. And, and so coming full circle, what's your hope for medicine in the U.S. in the next decade? Oh, wow. This is great. This is the stuff that really excites me. So, so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm hopeful that we could keep the cost down for the insurance and all of that by choosing the lifestyle, at least make some changes in lifestyle and some changes in your diet. So you don't have to constantly go see the modern medicine and just take take a pill and suppress everything. So that's the first thing that I'm thinking is diet and lifestyle. And then learn for yourself how to use kitchen medicine, you know, using spices, using herbs. You have indigestion, you know, take some, well, without saying the name of the herbs and all that. There's so many things that you could cook with that could help you to better digest the food. And these spices are, if you've gone to a Indian restaurants, they use them quite a bit. You know, and, but I don't think that they're trained to use them the way that we are trained to use them. So if you couldn't just teach yourself how to use some of the, some of the spices and cook your food at home and take care of yourself, that I think will have a big impact in the long run, in the 10 years. I love it. I, I guess the, the, the question is, how do we do that though? Like when I look at huh? like AI and kids playing video games, none. Up and and I think people are moving their bodies probably less than ever. I am curious, like as we're getting into this conversation of changing of medicine in India, is obesity a real problem? Oh yes, it is. It is nowadays, especially because I'm not blaming one culture for you know doing uh, bringing in certain foods to another culture. I mean, it's bound to happen. It's it's it's, it's there's no I can, blame I can, here, blame, yeah. I can blame cultures. I, I remember yeah. watching a documentary about Lay's potato chips and how they were trying to change the snacking habits of China. <laughs> oh, wow. Like they were using yeah. Chinese in spices to try to make them like the Chinese already ate so they would eat Lay's potato chips. So, yes, <laughs> processed food is not the way to go if you're wanting to lose weight and live in a healthier exactly. body. Yeah, exactly. And, and I've noticed that the weight gain there is mostly central. 
it's not yeah. very much yeah so it's kind of you could see from the different cultural things what's happening with that kind of weight gain so you're saying central meaning that it's not in the countryside yet it's mostly in the bigger cities bigger cities yes and also in the body also it's kind of a it's oh, in kind the of a, the, that's right exactly it's mostly in the stomach and so they don't see themselves as heavy weight because they look at their limbs my limbs are fine. My face is, but I'm like, well, yes, but there's more we need to work on. <laughs> well, I just appreciate your time today. For for the listeners that are interested, where can they find more about you personally? Personally, yes, I do have a website. Uh, it's called Healing Arts of Veda. Healing And do you have any social channels? Uh, yes, but I, I am still working on those things and it's kind of like, you know, I'm teaching myself how to go online and post something every now and then. I'm very slow at that. <laughs> it's okay. But, it's okay. We'll make sure that, that we share in the show notes, your website for people that wanted to, uh, learn more about you. I just appreciate having you here. And what I appreciate is your dedication to wellness. As a wellness renegade, you could have easily just finished up your residency, gone and worked for Kaiser or one of the major, major managed care systems. And you're, you're choosing to beat a path of a different drummer. And I know that path well, that it's not always easy, but I truly believe as we're talking together today that you're really helping your patients heal. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I want to do. Help them heal. Great. Well, thanks for being on today. I'm Jason Stein with Wellness Renegades. If you like this episode or any of the other ones, please like, comment, subscribe.